you for downloading this podcast from Victory Outreach Manchester. We pray that this message will bless your life as you listen. Is a life well lived. That no matter what happens, oh God, that everything we place in your hands, everything we give to you of ourselves will last for eternity. No moth, no rust can destroy that which is given to you, the one true and living God. Lord, I pray that there's going to be a release and a renewal of that passion for you, oh God. That as we mourn and as we give respect during these next eight or nine days in this nation, that we would never forget, oh God, that you reign and rule forever. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks, guys. You can take your seats. I just don't want to take up too much time. I, I, I really sense the Spirit of God when we were talking, singing about the throne room. I really believe that, that there's, you know, when you start to, to look into the things of God, you start to, to be able to enter into a different place, a different realm. God becomes very real. But I don't want to take up too much time because we've had a very, very full service. But, you know, I was in Amsterdam um, this past week. I was meeting with Pastor Sonny and uh, members of the global uh, team about church planting and bases. And it was really exciting stuff. We were talking about Dublin. We were talking about Ireland, what we want to do. We want to expand. We want to grow. Some of you know the church, Victory Outreach, it's not just a little community church. This is a worldwide church. Amen. We're a city church. We reach out to people from different places in the city. And anyone can come and find someone to connect with. And that's an important thing that you have to understand. But the thing is this, that it needs for us to trust God in a way that goes beyond just our own selfish little needs at times. And even as pastors, we have to do that. We have to continually be be pressing into duty and responsibility and and. When I landed, I just landed at Manchester Airport on Thursday, and I got a text from, from my daughter, Lily. I literally just landed. And uh, I'm sorry, I don't put my, my phone on flight safe mode. Amen. So as soon as I landed, it just went, ding, text. And I looked at it, and it said, the Queen's died. I was like, whoa, man. And I felt emotional. I don't know about anyone else. But she's been the queen for my entire life. And she's been this reassuring presence. And I know that there's people that are Republicans and people that are from different nations and people, you know, they mock the monarchy and, you know, they do all that stuff. And I've blocked a few of them on social media this week because they're idiots. Amen. Some of the things that they put up. You might not like them, but have a little bit of respect. Have your opinion by all means. Don't put it on any of my pages. Otherwise, you're gone. I love you, but I will never watch your stuff again. Amen. Because she, she held a place that was very difficult. And all of the testimonies that I've been hearing, even in the speech of a new King Charles, have mentioned many of these 
different things that I'm going to be talking about today. But one of the phrases that stood out was that she had a life well lived. She had a life well lived. Hers was a life well lived. I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to live a life well lived. When I, when I pass away, when I go, and hopefully it's in 50 years' time, hallelujah, if the Lord tarries, I don't want my memorial to be, oh, he had a lovely motor. Are you with me? He had a nice house, great barbecue. Fantastic garden, was on social media everywhere. Are you with me? I want someone to say, I want people to say of me, he lived well. His life made a difference. Started difficult, started hard, started on the dark side of the false, hallelujah. How many of you know there was a flip and there was a shift and there was a change when Jesus came and, and introduced himself to him and his life shifted and changed and he started to live a life well. I want people to say, you know what, I'm grateful because I remember when I was messed up and, my, my, and, and, and him and his wife were there. I thank God that they came to Manchester and opened up a home so that my life could change. I thank God that the church was there so I could meet my spouse, I could meet my future spouse, that my children were dedicated in that church. I was married in that church. I met people in that church. I was educated through that church. I was helped out because of their lives. You can never have a discount the weight of living a life well. And as I was thinking about it, and I, I, I was praying about it, the Lord took me to this scripture, and I was thinking, what, what am I going to preach about on Sunday, Lord? You know, it's, it's always difficult when these moments happen, because you have to negotiate them. And you have to try and negotiate them with grace. And also, it's very important that we honor right. Because if you can't honor people right, you will never be honored. When you honor people rightly, you receive a reward from that. And we live in a society right now that, that loves to dishonor. Right? And even in, in, in the Word of God, it says, you know, in the end days, in the end times, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, disobedient to parents, etc., etc., etc. And everyone wants autonomy, everyone wants selfishness, everyone wants their cake and eat it, everyone wants their own way. And it's always been like that since the beginning of time. But when you honor rightly, there's a blessing that comes from that. And many of us have come from places where we didn't honor anything. But I started to pray about it and it took me, the Lord took me to this parable, the parable of the talents. I'm going to read a little bit of it in Matthew chapter 25. This is part of the end times teachings of Jesus. When he talks about what's going to take place at the end of time. He talks about the, the, the ten virgins. He talks about various different things. And then he talks about the parable of the talents. And it's in Matthew chapter 25. It's also in Luke, in a different version, in Luke chapter 19. But we're going to read from Matthew 25, 14. I'm just going to read a little bit, give you a little bit of, uh, of what I think about this and why it's important. And then we're going to pray, we're going to worship God, and we're going to go and eat, and you can live your life. Amen? But right now, this is God's time. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. 
And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, made another five talents. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. When you look at this, this parable, the parable of the talent, some people take the word talent and think like, you know, it's like Britain's got talent, you know what I mean? Like it's something that you've got, you know, you've got five abilities to sing or five abilities to this or five abilities to that. And it's, it's not that type of talent. Some of you know we're born with certain gifts. The gifts of the Father, they're creational gifts. Some people were born good looking like me. There was only a few laughs that time, hallelujah. Congregation's on point today. Some people are born very athletic. How many of you have always hated the athletic people? They never trained at school, but they always ran the fastest, jumped the longest, or the highest. Come on, somebody. Swam like otters. Right? And there was you. you. You did your best. And at sports day, they would give you the cricket ball throwing or, you know, some, some ridiculous little event. And no one cares about. Amen. Some people are really good at singing. And we're like, as soon as they open their mouth, this beautiful noise comes out. And then we try it in the shower. And the soap melts. <laughs> People are born with abilities, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that type of talent. The parable of the talents is about the responsibilities we're given by God. A talent, when you have a look at what it actually means in ancient Greek, talenton, it means scale and balance. And it was a measure of weight. Do you know how much a talent was? How much it weighed? A talent of silver or gold, 80 pounds. So you, you imagine five of them. That's a lot of gold. That's a lot of silver. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a weight of trust that God gives to his people because this parable really is about Jesus. It's about the kingdom of heaven. And it's about Jesus who came to the earth to deal with all the problems that we'd faced. And then he'd done that and then he was going back on a journey to go and prepare a place for us. That's what he does, right? It's that whole wedding motif where, you know, the man comes and he, he finds a bride and they're betrothed and, 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 and then he goes back to his father's house and he prepares a place for him and his bride to live. And, and then one day the father tells him, it's time to go back and get your bride. And in that time, the bride needs to be taking care of her business. She needs to be getting her lashes done. Come on, somebody, get her teeth whitened, whatever it is. Get her clothes done, you know what I mean? Get ready because one day he's going to come back with a trumpet and a shout and with all of his friends and he's going to get his bride and he's going to take her back to be married officially and then they're going to live in the father's house forever. That's how the Jewish weddings used to take place. That's the motif. So Jesus has gone on a journey, but when he's on his journey, he said to the people that, he, that, that, that were, he'd left behind, his servants, here's some stuff that I want you to take care of. Jesus has gone. 
He's not on the earth anymore. The Holy Spirit is on the earth, praise God. But the church is where the Holy Spirit works through to shine the light of Jesus and to give people an opportunity to get saved. It's down to us. And the thing is this, there's responsibilities that we get according to our ability. You know what that means? That doesn't mean that anyone's better than anyone else. It just means that some people are a little bit more available. Some people are a little bit more surrendered. Some people have allowed God to break them a little bit more. And God gives to people what he knows that they're going to be able to handle. It's okay. But it's what you do with that. You know, there's a relationship between responsibility and meaning in life. Psychologists will tell you this. Everyone needs to know that there's some sort of meaning and purpose to life, or it just becomes empty and void. How many of you have ever been in life before and you haven't realized what your meaning is? You don't know where you're at. You're just wandering. You're just floating. And then it, it, everything's meaningless. And when it's meaningless and when it's empty, guess what? Something's going to want to fill it up. That's why people take drugs. That's why they sleep around, get promiscuous. That's why they, they lie and steal and cheat. That's why people are violent and abusive. That's why people allow themselves to, 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 to be held down. And because that void needs to be filled. And a life of meaninglessness is a life that's open to victimization. All sorts of madness becomes an option to fill that void. But having meaning, and the, the, the psychological experts will tell you that having meaning is actually a, an instinctual thing that helps you guide yourself through the tragedies of life. Some of you know life is mental, right? Has anyone come to realize that yet? Life is filled from birth until death with a consistent array of tragedy, madness, sickness, pointlessness, enemies, darkness. Are you with me? That's what life consists of. A fallen, broken world gives you that type of life. And it's only when you're born again that all of a sudden light shines in the darkness and you are able to see beyond the tragedies of life that there is actually going to be meaning. Because there's no justice in this world. You realize that? If there was, all of us would be judged. God withholds his justice for now. Some people are like, oh, there's no justice, Lord. Why don't you send justice? That's a dangerous prayer. Because that will include you. How many of you know we thank God that we know that because of Jesus and because of what he's done that we will go to a place and be with him in a time in eternity when everything will be judged. There will be justice. People, evil people will not get away with things forever. Even death, even hell, even all the enemies of God are going to be judged. There's meaning, ultimate meaning, ultimate purpose. But you know, most of that meaning is to be found when someone takes up the responsibility to live beyond their own comfort. See, what you can do is you can just hide away from the world, hide away from life, hide away from everyone's needs, not even look, not even think. We do that all the time, don't we? We walk down the streets, we see some, you know, really messed up homeless person, and we walk on by, right? We go past the hospitals, 
someone's got cancer, we try and avoid them. If, you know, if someone's got a problem, we, 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 we don't want to listen. We, we just want to huddle down and just hunker down and just get through our lives with the least drama as possible. Right? But when you take responsibility for life, it comes with a weight. But it also comes with a blessing. Humans are very social creatures. We're not meant to live in isolation. We're not meant to be alone. You know, God first looked down at the man, the first man, didn't he? Adam. He probably looked like, you know, looked good. I was going to say he looked like me, but hallelujah. I'm, I'll be stretching that a little bit too much. There would be too many laughs about that one. I'll just say he was as human as me, hallelujah. But, but more so, he was innocent. He, he, he had a, all of his faculties. But God looked at him and said, it's not good for man to be alone. Amen? So he created a woman. Woman from man. Hallelujah. We're not created to live in isolation. How many of you know that's the tactic of the enemies of God is to get us isolated, to get us into a place where we have no connection, no societal connection, no social connections. And I'm not talking about having thousands of acquaintances and thousands of friends. I've got thousands of friends on social media and most of them I don't even know who they are. And they don't know me. But friends, community. We're we're creatures that have an intimate and complex and powerful relationship with communities and societies. You see it all around you. Everyone wants to belong to something, right? So we, we get involved in stuff. Young boys get, and, and girls get involved in street gangs. People get involved in, 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 you know, they become masons. They join this club. They go to the Zumba class. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want to re- be involved in some sort of community, and community now is more difficult than it's ever been. You look around this church, you see all of the thousands and thousands of apartments that are being put up, many of them empty. And you look around, where's the community centers? Where's the the green spaces? Where's the people that they meet? That's not really part of the planning anymore, right? What was one of the biggest things that people craved in lockdown? Community. Because it was taken away. But after lockdown, now it's given back. People don't want to be in community. Because we're stupid as people, mostly. Right? But this this mutual thing that we have in community between ourselves and, 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 and the people that we are, that's what gives us a sense of belonging and meaning. And that's where value comes from. But you have to take responsibility to do that stuff. It's also true that when you take responsibility to invest what God gives you, your salvation, your, 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 your feelings of, of, of purpose and meaning and hope and joy and freedom and all the rest of it, when we invest that back into God, there's a three-way blessing that comes. Firstly, God is blessed. God is blessed. Because you're doing what he created and equipped you to do. God's blessed with that. He's like, yes. I've given them something and they're doing something with it. Powerful. 
then you're blessed. That's the second bit. You're blessed. You know why you're blessed? Because when you invest in others, your needs get met. When you invest your time, your talent, your treasure in God, and you invest back in what he wants, then your needs get met. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are going to get added to you. Run after these things, and you're just going to be running after those things. And then the people around you get blessed. Because as your life gets blessed, you live, start living in the overflow. Because how many of you know, when God starts pouring his blessing in your life, he pours it in, and he pours it in, and he pours it in, just like when the prophet told the woman, she had nothing. She was gonna, her sons and her, her, her children were going to go into slavery because of her debt. And she went to the man of God. She said, man of God, help me. And he said, what have you got in your house? She said, I've just got a jar of oil. He said, that's good enough. Go and get empty vessels from all your neighbors and start pouring the oil in. And the Bible says that she poured the oil in and one, it got filled up. She poured the oil into another, it got filled up. Until eventually, there was no more empty vessels. And it was only then that the oil stopped flowing. Problem with many of us is that we don't, we receive the first bit of oil and don't pour it out. We don't let God empty us. You know that song, empty me of everything, Right? That's not like you. And then fill me with your. Right? But how many of you know sometimes what we want to do is we want to take that thing and just keep that thing. But it's in the investment, it's in the pouring out. It's in the come and meet a man who told me everything that I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? It's in the I've been delivered to become a deliverer. It's in the I've got saved and my eyes have opened and I've seen the light and you're still in darkness. Come, come into the light. When we do that and we pour out what's been poured in, other people get blessed. But when someone makes the excuse that God and his gifts are not good enough and serving him is too hard. Life becomes just a self-preservation thing. And they, like the man with the one talent, start to dig a hole to bury what it is that they have. But you know, digging takes effort. It's easier to walk into a bank than dig a hole. But when we have these excuses that it's too tough, it's too hard, I can't make it, I can't turn up every week, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't pray, I can't, I can't fast, I can't read, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't reach out, I can't pick anyone up, I can't reach out to anyone, I can't speak to them, on a, I can't do this, I can't do that. God, there's too much. Too much that's expected of me. The church expects too much. They want my money all the time, they want my time all the time, I've got nothing left. When we have these excuses... What we end up doing is we end up burying what it is that God gave us, right? In the soil of irrelevance. When people bury their responsibility and withhold themselves or withdraw themselves, nobody gets blessed. Even them. 
You see it when people don't attend, don't give, don't serve in churches, and it generally comes from not praying, not studying, not worshipping. But here's the thing. I, I believe this one talent person is possibly not even someone in church. It might be speaking about contextually people outside in the world that have been offered all the things that we have to give. And that don't take it up. Why should I serve God? My nan died. I got sick. And they come up with all these excuses as to why God is too hard, too tough, and reaps where he doesn't sow, etc., etc., etc. So it might be that it might not even be a beating stick. And I don't want it to be a stick that beats Christians that you should be doing more. Because how many of you know there's nothing that we do to earn salvation? Right? So don't worry about this necessarily being you if you're not doing stuff that you should be doing and you haven't taken responsibility. That's not what it's about. Because God assumes then, obviously, that the ones that he's given stuff to will actually do something with it. But people who fall into the pattern of bearing their, their, their responsibilities always have an excuse. There's always someone else to blame. God's not cool with that way of thinking. The one who buried what God gave him missed out on everything. There's people living in the world today, right, that mock your Christianity. There's people living in the world today that have, don't want anything to do with church. Why would I bother going to church? There's people living in the world today that have been given life, have been given breath in their lungs, have been given the opportunity to come to know God as the, the ruler and the, uh, 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 the creator of the universe, but yet they would find any excuse not to do anything with that. Because it's unbelief. And it's only unbelief that takes you into the place where this happens. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't know about you, but anywhere where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, I don't want to be. And not only that, I don't want anyone to be there. I wouldn't want my worst enemy to be in that place for eternity where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth and where their worm does not die and the flames are not put out. I wouldn't want anyone to be in that place. But when we live without responsibility, sometimes people don't receive that overflow. Are you with me? For each one who did something, and this is what I want to finish on, each one who did something with what it is that they received. Got everything. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. 
after living a life of tragedy and chaos and death and destruction and disease, to be in the joy of the Lord, in His presence for everlasting life. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a good deal to me. place where there's no more weeping, there's no more tears, there's no more crying, there's no more sickness, there's no more death, there's no more dying. There's no more lying. Where everyone's faithful. How many of you have been let down by someone in your life? Let me see your hands. You've been let down by someone. Hallelujah. How many of you have let someone down? We've all done it. We've all been on the receiving end of it. But when you start to do what God wants you to do with what it is that he's given you, all of a sudden you shift in your mentality. You shift in your position. You shift. And it comes from how you see God. That statement, well done, means that they did some stuff. They didn't just get saved and then just let everyone just bask in their glow. Well, I'm just going to be. Hallelujah. And everyone's going to get saved just because of me and my presence. I'm just going to walk down the street and my shadow's going to fall on people like Peter's. And they're going to get slain in the spirit and healed. Come on now. When was the last time that happened to anyone in this church? When your shadow changes someone's life. Huh? There's stuff that God wants for us to get involved with. And stuff that he wants us to do. We don't have to do anything to become part of God's family. Just believe. But we all have to do something with our salvation. They didn't have to do much either. They just had to invest what they'd been given. And they activated what God gave them just by taking responsibility for what it is that God expected of them for themselves. Sometimes we wait for someone else to do what it is that God wants us to do. People want the worship team to lead us into the presence of God. They want me to bring a word to give you direction. They want my wife to pray for them and their, 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 their madness and their sickness goes. They want you to do something. Our kids want us to make them dinner and do all the washing up. Come on now. But what does God want you to do with what it is that he's given you? And the thing is, you don't have to do much. The best way to invest is in community because investing in people is always good. Right? We can invest, you can invest in stocks and shares and, you know, it was Bitcoin, now it's some other coin, now it's something else and now it's AI and now it's this and now it's that and then it's this tech and that tech and green tech and whatever tech. But all that stuff goes, you ain't taking it with you. Are you with me? You're not taking anything with you. All you're going to do is bump into what you sent ahead at some stage. Investing in people is always good. Even when some of them forget what, you, what you've done. Hello. They forget that you were there when they was messed up. They came in. They forget that you were there when they were crying and you were the arm around their shoulder. They forget that you were the one that helped them get a job. They forget that you were the one that picked them up. They forget. They forget. People forget. And sometimes people forget what you've done. And then even worse, sometimes they'll turn on you. And they'll start stabbing you in the back. Because what you represent is what they haven't got.
and that makes them angry. Are you with me? I can imagine the one with the ten talents speaking bad, uh, sp uh, the one with the one talent speaking bad against the one with the ten talents. Look at that dude showing off. Who do you think he is? Huh? Now I know a little bit about him. I know his background. I know where he came from. Have you heard? Are you with me? And God sees it all and he hears it all. But guess what? He understands that that man is not perfect, but he's faithful. There's a difference between being perfect and being faithful. There's a difference between believing that you've got it all going on and believing that God's got it all going on. And then following him. Thank God I, I realized that years ago. Otherwise, I would have quit years and years ago. Because I'm not perfect. Sometimes I get disappointed. Sometimes I, 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 I'm like, God, can you even move amongst these people? God, have I even got an anointing anymore? God, uh, uh, do you want to bless me? But then I thank God that I'm looking at him and I'm following him and I'm saying, Jesus, I'm not this, that, and a bag of chips, but I know that you are. You've done everything. You've got everything. You made it all possible by your grace. I can do whatever I need to do. Faithful. All he wants you to be is faithful. They didn't have to do a lot, you know, to double their talents. You know, if all you do, check this out. If all you do in your life is reach one person for Christ, and then journey with them. One, in your life, you would have doubled the investment that God gave you. He gave you one life saved, and you gave him back two. What do you think you'll get? Sometimes we think that we've got to go and do this, and they expect us to do that, and, you know, it's like eating the elephant. God's giving me this elephant, and I have to eat it all by myself. If each one reached one, if each life is lived like the queen lived her life in duty and in service to others. People, people say all this and that about the queen and the, the, the royal family. And I, I, sometimes I get home at night, I put on a tracksuit, and I'm laying on the couch watching random TV, eating food that I shouldn't be eating. Crumbs down me. Right? I mean, you've got chocolate on your PJs. Come on, somebody. You, you know, your bed ain't been made. There's still dishes in the sink. You ain't changed your socks for two days. Can you imagine the queen doing that? And she's got 50 people around her all the time, people coming in, telling her, and this, you know, you've got five minutes to do that, seven minutes to do that. In 12 minutes, we're going to do that. In 15 minutes, you have to make an address. Oh, and here's a box of papers for you to sign at 11 o'clock at night, and they need to be in for the morning. Oh, and in the morning then, we have to get you up at 5, and we have to get you presentable because you're going to be going and meeting someone in a, 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 a dis disabled farm somewhere and shaking hands with, with people that you've never met, and you've got to do that for 20 minutes, and then we've got to go somewhere else. Can you imagine the duty and the service can you imagine when all you want to do is put some PJs on and just lounge on the couch in Windsor watching the Rings of Power? 
That's why she was said to have lived a life well. If everyone did one thing with what it is that God gave them, we'd win the world for Christ. The problem is everyone's waiting for someone else to do what it is that God's waiting for you to do and me to do. So let's decide today to be more responsible. Let's do our duty. Duty is not a thing that people speak about much anymore. And how many of you know faithfulness today is a superpower? Forget the cape. Forget being one of the Avengers. Faithfulness, loyalty, integrity, duty, selflessness. That's a superpower. If you find someone with those qualities, you're like, whoa, man, that's unusual. Let's be unusual. Let's be an unusual church. Let's be unusual people. If most people in the world are burying their talents, then let's make sure that ours are being invested. Whatever it is, let's do it. Let's make a stand and go beyond our comfort zone and make an impact in the world around us. We can all do a little bit of good. We can all serve a cause that's bigger than we are. And we can all serve others in different ways. Not a lot of people doing it. So let's be countercultural. Let's start to do that. Let's start to give ourselves away. Let's start to give our lives away. Let's start to stand up and be counted and make a mark and make an impact. Let's start writing our tombstones. Let's start writing our legacy letters. Let's start writing the things, our histories, the things that people are going to remember about us. Even now, the queen has gone. She lived 70 years serving her people. 70 years. 70 whole years doing it day in, day out morning, evening, afternoon, and now you're hearing of all of these different things and different people that say, I met the queen once, she was amazing. Even though she, had, she was up to her ears in this, she still had time to be friends with me. A bishop says this about her faith. A priest says that about her faith. Different dignitaries say that about her faith. Even people that hated her can't point the finger at any scandal in her life. Oh yeah, some of her kids might have messed up. Some of the people around her might have made some issues. But she had a life well lived. I don't know about you. I want to live my life like that. I want to live my life in a way that people, when I die, they turn around and say that Paul was a good lad. He was a good man. He lived straight and true. He took his life serious. He lived for God and he served other people. What about you? What about you? Let's not let excuses rule us. Let's just do what we can where we're at with what we've got. And that's how you position yourself so that the blessings of God flow into and through your life. And then those blessings become the seeds of revival in other people. Father, in Jesus' name, today we mourn the passing of a great queen We can learn a lot from her. Just as we can learn a lot from you, the great king of the universe. 
Lord, the footsteps that are in front of us of people that have lived their lives well are the ones we need to follow. Not society, not peer pressure, not politics, not media presentations. But Lord, that we would live according to your will and your word. Lord, may we be found in you, honourable, doing our duty, taking care of our business, not just burying ourselves and our talents into the ground of comfort and irrelevance, that no one's going to remember. Spirit of God, in this crease in time, between the old and the new, in this time of uncertainty, let us be certain of one thing. That God, you do not change. Even when we're unfaithful, you remain faithful. Even when we fear, you love. Even when we doubt, you trust. Spirit of God, I pray for every single person in this place today. That you're going to touch them, you're going to help them, you're going to fill them. I want, to, I want you to stand. I want to make an altar call. For people that want to build and want to invest in the things of God. You say, you know what? I want, I want to invest my life into the things of God. I want to invest my life into what makes a difference. It's okay to have a job. It's okay to be married. It's okay to have a career. It's okay to, to do all of that stuff, man. It's okay, but it's, it's just, it's, it's okay. You can do all that as well. But you can also do that without God on the throne. The thing is, when God's on the throne, you do that, but it's different. It has a different impact. We're in a new kingdom. We have a king now. We have to sing, God save the king. What changes are we going to make in our lives? I, I'm asking for people who are going to invest in God's future for this church, this nation, this generation. You just bring what you have, you bring who you are, and you say, here I am, God. That's the challenge, that's the altar call, that's the response that I'm asking for today. If you're online, watching online, you can still respond. But right here, right now, as we worship the King of Kings, come out and make a response to God.
No one's going to judge you for staying in your seat. It's not about that. But sometimes it's about just stepping forward and stepping up and seeing the community of people around you that say, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's build. Let's grow. Let's develop. Let's go forward. Let's see our lives make a difference for God. This is not for my benefit. It's for your benefit. Because there's something that happens when you come and you make an altar before God. That doesn't happen when you don't. There's something that happens when you make a physical response to a spiritual message. Because in that, often there's a spiritual response that comes. It's the positioning that's important. We want to build. We want to grow. We want to develop. We want to expand. We want to make room for God to come and move within our lives. There are some of you that there's things that have been holding you back and holding you down and keeping you bound. And and in that movement towards God, all of a sudden, some of those shackles disappear. Some of the fears just go. They dissolve in the presence of God. Some of those mentalities that we hold from the past of God's too hard, things are too tough. I've been hurt. I've been burned. Listen, you've been hurt and burned by man, but not by God. And sometimes you need to forgive man so that you can position yourself in front of God. Listen, as a pastor, if I didn't have to forgive many of you many times, there's no way I could get up on a pulpit and preach. Because I guarantee most of you have hurt me at one point. But you know what? I'll probably hurt you too. Because we're human. And the thing is, what do we do? Hold things against each other? Or do we say, you know what? I've been forgiven much. So why should I hold anything against anyone else? Well, someone hurt me. Someone did this. Someone did that. Forgive them and go. Release them. Stop carrying it with you. And then what you'll find is you'll find yourself being set free so that you can stand in the presence of God without this burden, without this thing on your shoulder, without this thing over your head, without this thing on your back. Last few weeks, we've been hearing about repentance. We've been hearing about different decisions that we need to make. Listen, I prophesy right now that this church is about to experience a move of the Spirit of God. Whether people like it or not, whether people do what they need to do or not, it's not about that. This is not us doing something to twist God's arm. This is God saying, I love you. I've seen what you've been through. I've seen what you've stood for. I've seen that you're still here and that you still love me. I've seen that you've invested and given what it is that you had. And I am blessed with that. 
And I'm going to come and I am going to fill you and I'm going to increase you. And I'm going to increase your stretch. I'm going to increase your impact. I'm bringing, he says, I'm bringing people that are going to come in on different levels. There are people that are going to come in that are going to help and enhance this ministry to go into new places. There are some that are going to come in on the ground level and they're going to rise up as part of this great movement. But there are some that are going to come in and they're going to help to shape and they're going to help to maneuver and help to open doors. But there is going to be a move of God and those that are invested in me, says the Lord, will receive an inheritance and a reward. Come on, begin to worship the Lord. Begin to say, here I am, God. Get personal with Him. Get personal with Him. Press into Him. Don't just tick a church box. Press into God right now and let His anointing come and fill your life once again to get the joy back. You remember the joy of His salvation. You remember the joy of what it is that you used to do. You remember the joy when you used to be in His presence. And it became a, 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 a job. It became an endurance thing. But there's joy. Joy in the presence of the living God. There's joy when you see a soul saved. The angels rejoice. Why don't we? The angels rejoice when a soul gets saved. What do we do? The angels rejoice when we reach out and disciple someone. The angels rejoice. And God is pleased when His churches grow and they expand and they shine and they're blessed. Come on, where's all the gang at? I want the gang down here at this altar. I want everyone down here building and growing together. I want you to come right now, those at the back, those at the front. Lift up your hands and voices and begin to praise God because He is good. Victory Outreach Manchester is a family in the city and we are here for you. Visit us every Sunday in person at the church building or live on Facebook and YouTube at 10am. Go to our website vomanchester.org.uk for more information.